The Bible tells about a man that was so strong that one time when men tried to lock him in, he grabbed the doors of the city and the posts and all and just ripped them right out of the ground and carried them right up on top of a hill and set them down. I can't imagine how that man's muscles must have rippled when he heaved and lifted those posts of the city gates right up out of the ground. That same man, when men came after him, 1,000 men, there's probably a couple hundred people here tonight. But can you imagine a 1,000 men, strong men, warriors, came after this man? And he looked around for a weapon and he found a rotting carcass of a donkey and he grabbed the jawbone of that donkey for a weapon and he crouched and he killed 1,000 men with the jawbone of an ass. And he said, heaps upon heaps with the jawbone of an ass, I've slain 1,000 men. He was a strong man. The Bible records more feats of strength of this mighty man, Samson. We remember the final feat as he was in a gigantic temple making sport before the idolatrous worshipers. And he told a little boy, his eyes were blind because of sin. He told a little boy, just, just lead me over. Just lead me over to the posts, the center posts of this temple. And the boy led him over. I can picture this man. His hair is now falling down over his shoulders because it's grown back. And I can picture him kind of reaching and grabbing those posts. And then the Bible says he bowed himself with all his might. And the posts of that gigantic temple begin to crumble as he pulled them together and he collapsed and thousands of people died and he killed more men in his death than he had killed in his life. He was a strong man. Samson, a strong man. God gave that man physical strength and he used him in the time of the judges as a deliverer of Israel. But Samson had a lot of weaknesses. And I'm not going to tell the story of Samson tonight. But tonight, as you think about a strong man, I want to call your attention to the next chapter of 2 Timothy, Paul's last words. And the title of the message tonight is, Son, Be Strong. Son, Be Strong. It includes all of us. Daughter, be strong. Be strong. Not like Samson's strength, but the kind of strength that the same God who gave Samson physical strength at times in his life. This God can give you spiritual strength, moral strength, godly strength. In 2019, son, be strong. Last night, we 
introduce this second epistle of Timothy. Thank you, brother. The second letter that the apostle wrote to his spiritual son, Timothy. And you can recall with me, perhaps, that Paul wrote quite a number of letters. And most of his letters were written to churches. The epistle of Paul, the apostle to the Romans, a church he had not yet been. Two letters to the Corinthians, a church that he had been instrumental in establishing. A letter to the Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Colossians, another church he had not yet visited, perhaps never did. The Thessalonian churches and so forth. But in these letters that we call the pastoral epistles, the first and second Timothy and the book of Titus, in these letters, Paul writes to an individual. He writes to a man. He writes to those that he calls his son. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son. To Titus, my own son after the common faith. We call them pastoral epistles because they're the writings of a a pastor, a shepherd, to a son. Now, the Spirit of God has preserved these letters for the church. So indeed they are to the churches today. But they were written individually to a person and not originally, collectively, to a group. The last one of these pastoral epistles, in fact, the last of all of the apostles' epistles, as we stated last night, is this second letter to to, uh, Timothy. Second Timothy. In this final writing, the apostle is giving his urgent exhortation to continue to stand strong, to not be ashamed, to defend the faith, to hold on to scripture, to pass on the stewardship of truth unto others who will be able to then pass it on to others as well. Those are some of the themes we find here in this second letter of the apostle to Timothy. It's good, and I understand you had a lesson this afternoon on studying the Bible. I was unable to be here this afternoon, and I tried to call in at 3.45, and as I called in, I was hearing closing remarks, and I realized I was one hour late. And so I missed that message, but I I would love to hear it. And I just want to put fuel on that fire to study the word of God. It's such a blessing. It's such, it'll make such a difference in your life. If you can get excited about this book early, early in your life. Second Timothy, I don't know if I mentioned this last night. It was probably written somewhere around A.D. 67. A.D. means Anno Domini. It it literally means the year of our Lord. 
B.C. is before Christ. A.D. is Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. So the year of our Lord, 67, somewhere around there, is probably when the Apostle Paul wrote this. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, but from heaven, God incarnate, who walked the face of the earth. And dating may not be exactly right. He was born, some people would say, maybe more like 3 A.D. as we look at the calendar today. So he might have have, have uh, been crucified and resurrected and gloriously ascended back to heaven where he's interceding for us tonight, somewhere around 35, 36 A.D. So this is now 40 years later after Jesus left. The church has been established. It's went out. You know, God waited till the exact appropriate time to establish his church. It was in his plan from the beginning. It's interesting that in this time, the Roman Empire was was ruling the civilized world. And the Roman Empire had a tremendous infrastructure just prepared for the gospel, I believe. There were over 50,000 miles of paved roads in the Roman Empire. The apostle traveled many of these roads along with Timothy and others. There were bridges, there were drainage ways, there were, uh, even today, highway builders study the Roman road system. They crowned their roads. They used different types of aggregate to uh, make really a very strong paved road. Some of them are still available to see today. Maybe some of you have been there. But the gospel came at just the right time. Jesus Christ was born. Galatians tells us when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that are under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. It was the fullness of time, the exact moment in history when God sent his son. And he called men. And the church was established. The church went out. It began at Jerusalem, just like Jesus had said in Matthew 28. And then to Judea. And then Samaria. And then it began to go to the uttermost parts of the earth. It's still going tonight. Paul was a very instrumental part of that. God had said, he's a chosen vessel unto me. When Ananias protested, when the Lord told him, you go baptize this man, Ananias said, Lord, I've heard of this man. I'm not sure you know what you're doing, God. Have you ever felt like that? When you heard about someone being used by God, I'm not sure what you're doing, Lord. And God said, you go your way, Ananias. I know what I'm doing. This man's a chosen vessel for me, the Apostle Paul, to send my name before kings and for, before Gentiles and before people, before the people of Israel. And so Paul had been used mightily, but now he's in his last few months of life. I'd like you just to think about that as you read this letter. I pray that you'll never read it the same again. Think about this man who said, I know both how to be abased and how to abound. Everything, everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. You think about this man who said, and I can't quote it all anymore, but he said, thrice I was beaten and with rods a night and a day. I've been in the deep. Uh, I've been 
in perils of waters and perils of my own countrymen. I've been in perils among false brethren. I've been in all kinds of trouble. Paul had experienced a lot in those years, many intense years. And now he's in his last few months writing this letter, probably within the year as Nero became more and more angry with Christians. Paul was beheaded. As I told you last night, he was likely beheaded because he was a Roman citizen. It wasn't lawful for a Roman citizen to be crucified. They had to be beheaded uh, in, in their execution. That's why Peter was likely crucified, because he was not a Roman citizen. But the last few months, imagine being in the last few days, months, weeks, who knows exactly, of your life, and writing to one you've traveled with. And whether he wrote or whether he dictated to someone else to write, we don't know exactly. But I'm picturing the heart of this pastor, the heart of this older brother, to a young man, Timothy, a young elder, a man that he wants to carry on. And he's calling him to be strong. So tonight, we want to talk about son, be strong, as we look at this second chapter of Second Timothy. Last night, the first message, we talked about the last words, I'm not ashamed. We looked at faith fathers, fire fanners, a sense of eternal purpose, and unashamed soldiers. We looked at those a little bit last night. But tonight, we want to look about at son, be strong. And as we look at this chapter tonight, we want to talk about being strong in grace. That will be in verses 1 through 10. And then we want to talk about being approved unto God in verses 11 through 19. And then we want to talk about being vessels unto honor in verses 20 through 26. That's what we'd like to look at. If you'll stay with me tonight, if the Spirit of God will, will open your hearts and give you attentive minds, and if the Lord will empower a weak servant to be strong tonight in the grace and to preach the word, then together we can be edified. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Gracious Father, in the precious and powerful and most worthy name of our Lord Jesus tonight, we come together before your throne once again. Lord, it's been a, a big day. There's been instruction. There's been teaching. There has been prayer. There's been singing. There has been discussion. Lord, you know the hearts and the lives. You know the background. You know the detail. You know so much detail that you know the exact number of every hair on every head here tonight. There's nothing that's hid from you. Tonight we're here before you desiring that you would speak to us by your word, Father. Jesus said that heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. Forever, O oh Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Tonight, with awe, with trembling, we want to look into your word again. We want to see the, some of the final exhortations that your Holy Spirit in, inspired your servant, your chosen vessel, Paul, to write in his last days before he went to be with you. May we learn from that tonight, Father. Would you drive back the enemy in Jesus' name, Lord, I pray that you would drive back Satan tonight. 
with his distractions, with confusion, with drowsiness, with discouragement, with doubts, with prejudices, with anything else that he might try and throw that would hinder your word tonight, Lord, would you drive him back in Jesus' name. And I pray that our Lord Jesus would be magnified in our midst. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Son, be strong. Be strong. Remember, last words are important. Last words, especially when a person realizes that these are last words, take on an urgency and a potency and an intensity that are designed to leave an impact on those that will be left alive. Tonight, may that be the case with us as we listen to these last words, some of the last words of the Apostle Paul. I want to look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. As we look at this tonight again, I'll mention the three areas, strong in grace, approved unto God, and vessels unto honor. Let's begin by reading the first 10 verses. We want to talk about being strong in grace. If you would stand with me, we're going to read the first 10 verses of 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Why don't you read the first three verses with me, and then the last three verses with me, of 8, 9, and 10, 1, 2, and 3, and then 8, 9, and 10. It's just good if we can read together and if you can participate and, and get your mind in, in the Word together. We'll read slowly and carefully and thoughtfully. Let's begin reading together. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits." Consider what I say, and the Lord give the understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sakes, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Please stay standing for a moment. Thank you for that reading. I, I just feel prompted to sing the first verse of Rise Up, O Men of God. We're thinking about that mighty strong man, Samson, who rose up with all his might and he carried those city gates, doors and all, up to the top of the hill. An incredible feat of strength. 
but we're thinking about an even greater feat of strength. And that is that the Spirit of God would empower young men and young women in 2019 in the United States of America and elsewhere to live upright, godly lives that would shine as a testimony for Jesus Christ. I tell you tonight, that's a greater feat of strength than what Samson did. So let's sing, rise up, O men of God. All together, I want to sing that. And then men, I'd like you to sing this. Just a little change in that verse. I'm sure most of you know, rise up, O men of God, have done with lesser things. I'd like you to sing, rise up, O girls, for God. Rise up, O girls, for God. Have done with lesser things. Give heart and mind and soul and strength to serve the King of Kings. And then, ladies, I'd like you to finish and respond back with the song, Rise Up, O Men of God, Have Done With Lesser Things. Give heart and mind and soul and strength to serve the King of Kings. So first, we're going to sing the verse together. Then you sing, Rise Up, O Girls for God, and then Rise Up, O Men of God. Let's sing it together. Rise up, O men of God, have done with lesser things. Give heart and soul and mind and strength to serve the King of Kings. Rise up, O girls, for God. Have done with lesser things. Give heart and soul and mind and strength to serve the King of Kings. Rise. All together, rise up, O saints, for God. Rise up, O saints, for God. Have done with lesser things. Give heart and soul and mind and strength to serve the King of kings. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for that. The Lord inhabits the praises of his people. There were times in Israel, and I just want to encourage you ladies with this as well. There were times in Israel when the women sang to the warriors, and it encouraged them, and it inspired them, and it, it caused them to have courage to be the men of God, that God wanted them to be in that generation, and we can do that for each other and together. So God bless you. Keep on singing. I've really been enjoying your singing. Well, strong in grace, these first 10 verses that we've read together, strong in grace is, is the, the heading I'd like to give to this area. Let's just look at this a little bit. The apostle begins in this, this first verse here of chapter two, thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to just pause right now and think a little bit about that. Be strong, strong in, in, strong in talent, strong in 
in uh, education, strong in wit or charisma, strong in popularity, strong in uh, credentials of some way, strong in in my ability to debate current issues, uh, strong in in contemporary savvy. No, that's not what he said. He said, "Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus." Now. That's a tremendous call to us tonight. And as I get older, I see more how powerful that is. It sounds simple. Strong in the grace. Be strong in the grace. I believe with all my heart that there is a posture of grace into which God is calling the Christian man and woman. In the fifth chapter of Romans, those beautiful words that we find in Romans 5 say, this, something like this. Therefore, many of you could quote it, I'm sure. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. That's a tremendous thing. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. I want you to think about those words as we think about being strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Paul tells us that we have access by faith. Faith is a powerful thing. Faith is that which greatly pleases God. The just shall live by faith. God looks at a man and he looks at a woman and he looks in their heart and he longs to see faith. Someone who will believe him and take him at his word. Our brothers have spoke about faith already this week. I've been so inspired to hear about that call to faith, to take God at his word. But we have access. Now, access is something that's pretty important. You can have the most beautiful home in the world, but if you don't have a key or if you don't have access, you're out in the cold, and tonight it'd be pretty cold. You could have a nice vehicle like I'm driving my father-in-law's pickup that he insisted I drive up here very kindly of him. It's, it's a nicer vehicle than I've ever driven. But if I didn't have a key, I'd have no access. But tonight, there's something more precious and powerful than a house or a pickup. It's a place called grace. Grace. Grace is, is the goodwill of God toward man. It's his gracious desire to save mankind. So strong that he left heaven. It was part of his plan from the foundation of the world and he came down. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth. What a gracious God to become one of us, to actually understand what it's like to be a man or a woman. I think he fully understands the experience of humanity, our God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's grace. But there's this grace Romans talks about. We have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. Are you standing in grace tonight? Paul starts out this second letter in his last words to Timothy. 
a soldier that he'd traveled with, and he said, son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Stand in that grace. Paul said, this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We don't stand in our own strength. We don't stand in our own merit. We stand in the grace of God. And it's the grace of God that brings salvation that has appeared to all men. And it teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, Paul wrote to another son, Titus. Stand tonight in the grace. Yes, thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I want to encourage you, as our brother shared testimony even yesterday, I thought of this. I remember an older brother when I was a young man talking about the wrestle, the wrestling of assurance, of wondering, uh, am I saved? Is everything right? Probably most servants of the Lord who have seriously sought after him have went through some struggle. I know I did as a young man. I looked at some things after I had committed my life to Christ that didn't quite line up. And so I wondered, was it real? Was it true? But, but I remember an older brother saying, cross that bridge by the word of God. Cross that bridge and then go on. Don't stay there at that bridge, churning and, and struggling and churning around. And God bless you. If there's someone here that's struggling with that, I want to encourage you. There are brothers and sisters here that can help you cross that bridge and go on. And don't keep milling around at the bridge and stamping around and and tripping and sliding. Cross the bridge and go on. Go on under perfection, Hebrews would say. Well, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Let's go on. Verse 2. And the things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Faithful men. Faithful men. Perhaps many of you have sang that song, Faithful Men. I've learned it the last few years. There are many today who have wandered away. They're out in the world of sin. Once they walked in the light, now they grope through the night. Oh, Lord, give us faithful men. Faithful men. Faithful men to recapture the vision again. Give us men that are true and loyal through and through. Oh, Lord, give us faithful men. That's a cry tonight for faithful men. And I think Paul felt it in his day. And he, as he was there in that prison, his second imprisonment, this time not quite so comfortable, not quite so warm, no freedom, but still writing, still investing in the church as long as he was there. He said, Timothy, the things that you've heard of me among many witnesses, don't hang on to them. Don't hoard them. You commit them to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And you know, I just want to encourage even you young men and young sisters in Christ as well. You may feel like, well, I'm young. I, I'm learning. I'm, I'm receiving. I'm in the position where I need to be receiving that which is committed to me. And, and that's true. But I want to encourage you to also look for opportunities for those that God puts in your pathway. Younger brothers, younger sisters, or maybe a struggling one, a child that you can commit to 
a waterway, a pond that doesn't have an outlet becomes stagnant. And we need to receive, but we also need to invest and flow out to others. So I would encourage you. I have seen in our congregation, it's been a blessing, and and I've even asked young men to do this. In fact, I have this in mind right now in a situation or two. I'd like to ask some young men to, would, would you pour a little investment into this young person over here? This young man's kind of struggling. You're only just a few years older, but... But you've learned some things. You've had some struggles. Why don't you would, you, would you take him out to breakfast now and then? Would you take him along when you go somewhere now and then? Would you include this young lady? Just maybe meet with her once in a while. An older girl in her life, an older sister in her life, just a little older than her, maybe not that much. It would feel so strengthening to her this time in her life. I want to encourage you to do that. I want to encourage you to receive what faithful men are investing in you. And I want to, I want to encourage you to keep going. You know, sometimes we can get caught up in, in the struggles of things that, that we're not sure about. And I don't know you. I don't know your settings. I don't know your churches. But sometimes young people, and, and, and it's hard for me. I, I'm 54 now. And my wife reminded me here a few years ago, you need to start, stop calling us young couples. I always included myself. Those of us younger couples, we've been married 35 years. And uh, she said, I don't think you, you, you should probably keep saying that. But it's hard for me not to think that way. I, I can relate to the feelings, some of the frustration, some of the idealism of youth and looking beyond and sometimes there may be things, maybe it's in our church life, or maybe it's some of the things with our parents, or some of the things that go on that are kind of frustrating to us, and we just think, well, well, what about this? And I, I just got to get this figured out, and I would encourage you, there is a time to do that. I'm not saying that not to do that. I, I don't want to be one of those older people that say, just, just don't ever ask any questions, or just... Just shut up and do what you're told. I don't believe, I believe in a submissive and a cooperative spirit, but I also believe in, in being one who searches the scriptures. And I want to be an older man who encourages the youth to, to search God's word. But I do want to say this in light of all that. Sometimes we get caught up in what I'll call the foreground. And some of you here probably are artists or photographers, and, and you know that there's the foreground, there are the things kind of in the front, and then there are, are the things back in the horizon. I want to encourage you as young men, as the apostle calls us to be strong and young women, look at the horizon. Keep pressing for the horizon. Sometimes we can get all bogged down in the stuff in the foreground. And sometimes I have found, and I have watched men do this. I can think of men, young men in, in my setting that are idealists. They ask good questions, and, and they can spot when something doesn't make sense or is inconsistent or whatever, and, and they know that. But I've watched some young men that I have just been so blessed with how their lives have been fruitful because they chose to approach life with a cooperative spirit. And while they didn't ignore the questions they have, they're looking at the horizon. And it's almost like they're jumping over some of those things for the bigger picture. And here's the interesting thing. I don't know if you're following me or not, but here's the interesting thing. Sometimes when we do that, when we press toward visions for following Christ, the big picture, the horizon, the mountaintop, even if all these things in the foreground don't quite make sense to us, sometimes we'll accomplish more by 
going toward the horizon and going toward the mountaintop. And some of those things may have a way of working out better that way than if I just sat here and, and, and had to get them all sorted out before I can go on. You think about that. You think about that. May the Spirit of the Lord give you wisdom as you face whatever you're facing in your life, in your family, in your relationships, in your church situation, in your occupational situation, whatever that is. Well, Paul says, commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Let's look at verse 3. I'm going to have to step it up here a little bit. Uh, He speaks here about some disciplines now in the next few verses, disciplines of a warrior, disciplines of an athlete, disciplines of, of a man in agriculture, a farmer. And, and let's look at that just a little bit. He says in verse 3, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. He's comparing, the apostle is looking at a soldier and he's saying, Timothy, come on now. No man, no warrior, no man that wars has any time to entangle himself with the affairs of this life. He's, got, he's in warfare. He can't be bogged down with civilian responsibilities. He's freed up from those so that he can please him who's chosen him to be a soldier, a warrior. And it would have been interesting. I thought about uh, recounting to you. Maybe some of you know that already. Some of the things that even the United States Army would require in basic training, some of the typical uh, exercise routines and things like that, whatever that is. I'm not going to go into that so much now other than to say this. Thou therefore, my son, be strong. Daughters, be strong. You could enter into some disciplines of secular life, such as United States Army or other disciplines, that would require training and discipline and an alarm clock and and, uh, some dietary Uh, guidelines and some exercise routines and, and some things like that. Should we, as the people of God who are behind enemy lines and in enemy territory in 2019, as soldiers of Jesus Christ, should we take a more careless attitude than that, than they do? Thou therefore, my son, be strong. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. First of all, he mentions a soldier. No, don't be tangled with this stuff. One time at, at the, uh, the discipleship uh, week that we've been involved with some out in Washington, uh, I thought about doing that, but I didn't have it. I, I brought a, a young man, a volunteer, and a young lady, a volunteer, and, and had some toy handcuffs and, and just handcuffed them to the front. And, and we talked about a bunch of different things that might entangle them with the affairs of this life. I'm not going to do that tonight. But you can just picture yourself being tangled up, being all tangled up. And incidentally, this at the, the discipleship week, these first 10 verses, uh, if you sign up, and you're certainly welcome to sometime, but are, are required memory uh, for, for that. The first 10 verses of 2 Timothy chapter 2. But... I I want you to think about being entangled. And it was helpful to me. I remember years ago, my father said, there is a difference in being involved and being entangled. You cannot avoid a certain amount of involvement in the affairs of this life. We are called to be responsible, to pay our bills, to earn a living, to provide, to 
perform a variety of responsibilities in life. That requires a certain amount of involvement in the affairs of this life. Jesus said, I have not taken them out of the world, but I, I pray that you'll keep them from the evil that's in the world. Jesus told Peter, Peter, you go, you go fishing and, and uh, you get a couple coins out of the a fish's mouth or a coin and you go pay taxes. There are some affairs of this life that we have to be involved with, but there's a difference in involvement and entanglement. And entanglement is not a pretty picture. And I have watched in my life very capable, very rising young women. I have watched some really capable, really gifted young men that had so much potential become entangled. Don't do it. Don't get entangled. One time a brother invited me to go over to eastern Washington with him, and, and he had a boat, and he said, we're going to go fishing. And he took a couple of us brothers over on the Snake River where there are steelheads. Steelhead are kind of like salmon. They're a sea-run rainbow trout, and I don't do much fishing. I, that may be the last time I went steelhead fishing. It's probably been 15, 20 years ago. I enjoy it. When I was a boy, I loved it. It was almost an idol. I read, I read hardback books that thick about fishing. Didn't do it much, but I read all about it. Um, but I remember so well this time going fishing for steelhead. We were out in the Snake River, which is a big river. And there were a couple of steelhead that were caught that day. Big, strong. They're one of the most strong, powerful, pound-for-pound fish that you can catch. But all of a sudden, I had a hit, and my pole bent down and throbbed, and, and I began reeling an extra hard fight. And, and in came a steelhead, but guess what? The hook wasn't in his mouth. It was in his tail. And you know what that told me? And the man who knew a lot about it said that that happens. What happens is they're a little suspicious of the lure, but they can't quite leave it alone. So they kind of flip it with their tail, flip it with their tail. And he got caught. That steelhead died because he was flipping it with his tail. I want to warn you tonight, that's always been an illustration to me ever since, that there are some things, even as Christians, that we know deep down probably aren't good, probably aren't right, probably a little dangerous. I shouldn't just go bite that hook, line, and sinker, as we say. But maybe I just flip it with my tail just a little bit. I'd just like to just kind of bump it a little, just kind of toy with this thing a little bit. Be careful. Like that steelhead, you can get snagged. And I've watched it happen. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Let's go on. So many things we could get entangled with. So many things. I'm not going to go through them. But you, you, you're used to hearing them. I have an idea that this generation, when they hear technology and cell phones, they kind of tune it out. Okay, yeah, there's another lecture on that. But it's true. Be careful of flipping with your tail. Don't get entangled. But that's not all. There's other things. If Satan can't get you, he'll get you with a health fad. Get all caught up in that. 
He'll get you with some kind of novels. It, it doesn't have to be technology. A book's fine with him, as long as it leads your mind away and gets you all tangled up. He can get you caught up in fashion or success or, or even some issue, the rightness or wrongness of what someone else did. And you get all caught up in that. You can get all entangled, wrapped around to where you can't even walk. You're about to trip. Entangled. Entangled sports. He can get you tangled up in that. A good, lively game with some exercise, I think, has its place. It can be a healthy thing, but be careful. You get entangled. You're not pleasing him who has chosen you to be a soldier. And we could go on. Again, I mentioned last night, can you imagine Paul's example, what it would have been like to travel with Paul? I'd like to travel. I suppose I'd like to travel with Paul. It might have been exhausting, but I'd love to have tried it. Uh, Timothy had that opportunity to travel with Paul. I mean, this is the band that, with a bleeding back and a sore back, him and, and uh, Silas in a prison at midnight when it was time to be asleep, started opening up their mouths and singing hymns and praises to God. God got so uh, appreciative of that that he shook the prison and opened the prison doors and let the men free and saved some men that night. Can you imagine traveling with Paul? Can you imagine the energy and the zeal and and the, I, I just have an idea Paul didn't shuffle along on the atrium way. Yawn and I, I imagine he noticed beautiful things of God's creation. I think he would probably stop and talk to someone. But I have an idea when he walked, he was going somewhere. And Timothy had to keep up. I don't know. I'm just thinking about, son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And imagine Paul's example. We can learn. We can learn to be disciplined. And he goes on here, and he talks about in verse 5, if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. The place where Melanie and I are living right now in Guadalajara, Mexico, we're just living there a few months as we attempt in our 50s to begin to learn a little bit about another language. That's a little hard to do. Might have been easier a few decades back, but we're still, by the grace of God, trying to do that. And but we live right next to a sports court in Mexico. It's kind of a middle-class neighborhood, and there's this big park, and there are soccer fields, and, and men get out there and play soccer, and also ladies get out there and play soccer, and we see people training and jogging and doing push-ups and pull-ups and all kinds of athletic exercises together. And Paul says, if a man also strive for the masteries, he's talking about some of the athletic competitions that would have went on in his day. He said, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. We want to play according to the rules. We want to be diligent, but we want to be upright and clear and playing according to the rules, as he said. And he goes on and says, um, the husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Notice those words, endure hardness, strive for masteries. The husbandman that laboreth. Now, I'm thankful that we're talking about being strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus tonight. But I want to encourage you that as a soldier of Jesus Christ, there's some, some labor that the apostle was calling us to. And if you can, instead of dreading that, get excited about that and see the challenge of being a soldier, a good soldier for Christ, the one who came down for us, the one who gave his life for us, being a soldier for him, training for him. It's such a blessing. You know, I think 
And I don't want to get off track here, but so often we can see this Christian life. And as a young person, I think it's, it's, it's a bunch of no, no, don't do this, don't do that. I shouldn't be, be careful of that. Watch out for that. No, no, no. But I want to tell you tonight that serving Jesus Christ is a great big yes. It's yes, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. I'm glad to follow him. I'm excited to follow him. And those yeses are going to mean some no's. But I'm excited to follow Jesus Christ. It's a yes. And thou therefore, my son, my daughter, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Well, Paul speaks in this first section about being strong in the grace. He goes on. Uh, verse 7, consider what I say, and the Lord give the understanding in all things. I just want to make a comment here before I go on. I'm going to try and pick up speed and see if we can, can uh, move along here. But consider what I say. I think there's an absence of that verse in society today, in Christianity today. I can sense the competition in my own life for times of considering. Did you... Hear what Paul said. Look at that verse. In fact, read it out loud with me. Verse 7, 1 Timothy 1. Consider what I say, and the Lord give the understanding in all things. Did you notice that? Consider what I say. Do you know that that takes time? Do you know that that takes an absence of distractions? Consider what I say. Meditation. Contemplation. Prayer. Quiet time. Everything off. Consider what I say. I want to invite you to do that. Consider what the Word of God says. Consider. Take time to meditate. He goes on. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised up from the dead according to my gospel. Be so enjoyable to talk about the seed of David. To me, it's such a beautiful study. We're not going to take time for that tonight. Just Paul says, just remember this, Jesus Christ of the seed of David. That means this man was born of a human lineage, just like some of you. I looked at the, uh, the name list here, and I actually read down through it. God bless you. Uh, I've prayed for you. I don't know hardly any of you, but I recognize some of the names, some of the last names. But Jesus Christ was of an earthly lineage too, the seed of David. But Paul said, remember, Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised up from the dead. This was a man who was incarnate in the flesh. This was Jesus Christ, the son of God, who was of an earthly lineage, but he was raised from the dead according to what? My gospel. That's the gospel. And he said, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. The word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sake that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. What are you willing to endure for the elect's sake? Are there any Christians that you'd be willing to put up with a little something for? Paul said, I endure all things for the elect's sake. And I think sometimes we pout to have to give up my will for anyone's sake. Paul said, I, I endure all things for the elect's sake because I want others to also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus. I can get pretty selfish sometimes when I think I've got my plan and my way and my rights. But Paul said, I, I'm willing to endure some things. What are you willing to endure? Would you miss an hour of sleep? Would you give up your rights in some area so that someone else doesn't struggle? 
Sometimes we think, well, if I do that, then what would be next? Da, 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 da. We, we build this big case in our mind. Paul said, I endure all things for the elect's sake. Do you think Paul was, had a boring life? I don't think so. How would you like to travel with him? We're going to try a little bit in this final letter these, de- these nights. Well, let's go on. I want to consider the second section. I'm going to have to be very quick as we consider these last two areas. Approved unto God, verses 11 through 19. You don't have to stand, but, but, but I'm going to read them to you now. 2 Timothy 2, beginning at verse 11 through 19. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their work will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some." Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. This second section, I've, I've put this heading, approved unto God, approved unto God. Paul says, it's a faithful saying, if we're dead with him, we're going to live with him. It's just one of the contrasts, one of the paradoxes of the Bible, that when I die to myself, I heard Perhaps one of the brothers this morning spoke about one of the biggest things in discerning God's will is is dealing with this thing of my own will. And I've often said that the human will is one of the strongest forces in the universe. All you have to do is is get a little two-year-old baby. I've seen it many times at our dining room table. And and I've watched those wills manifest themselves. Sometimes they're perfectly cooperative and it goes just like mother intended. And other times she'll say, say thank you to brother Joe. Say thank you. And you watch the human will at a very young age begin to manifest itself. And God bless those parents. And we did it too. And our children are doing it now. You work with that and you teach that and you deal with that will. Because this thing of my own will is is a very powerful thing and it will cause me a lot of trouble. And if I can deal with that will, if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we'll reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. Those words have caught me more than once. There was a time in my work when I traveled. I don't recommend that, but I was gone from home more than I should have been. Sometimes that brought me into exposure and thoughts that weren't healthy. Sometimes it would have suited me to blend in. I know my mind was not always where it should have and could have been. But more than once, I've thought of those words. If we deny him, he also will deny us. Now, if you've denied him, there's a way back. Simon Peter denied him three times the same night. And the Lord reached out a hand of reconciliation. Don't think you can live a life, a double life of denying him than being a good Christian at Bible school and on weekends and other times. Denying him back and forth. 
we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Approved unto God. That's what we're looking at now. Let's go on now. Look at verse 14. Of these things, put them in remembrance, Paul said, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. I want to just comment real quickly on that. And as a young man, I, uh, there were things that came up in the region where I grew up. And there were, were people that went on different religious directions, shall we say. And, and uh, as a young man, I, I, I wanted to, to have things right. And I can remember having lists in the back of my Bible that were ready for any debate that might come up. And, uh, but you know, as I look back, some of that was good. I'm thankful for, for being called to God's word. The men around me called me to God's word. When I asked questions, they turned to God's word. I don't know where I'd be today if they didn't, but they did. And I thank God for that. My father and other men of God that I respected. They turned to God's word when I had questions. They weren't ashamed to do that. But you know, I think there's a possibility of striving about words to no profit. And I think even sometimes in our conservative circles, we can get on, I call them set it straight fads. Um, and, and, and I do believe we need to earnestly contend for the faith. Please don't, don't misunderstand me. But I think sometimes we can get a, a certain zeal that we're going to get this thing right and everyone else, I'm going to get them set straight. And I just want to encourage us that we don't strive about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers, undermining someone's faith because they didn't say it or express it quite right. And be careful. Jesus looked down on the churches and he said, I have a few faces even in Sardis that have not defiled their garments. And they're going to walk with me in white for they are worthy. I don't get a lot of joy out of heaping criticism and condemnation about, on everyone else who doesn't practice or believe just like I do. I don't get a lot of joy out of that. I think we need to contend for the faith. I think we need to stand on the word of God and we need to equip ourselves. But let's be careful that we don't undermine the faith of some by ongoing, endless controversy and striving about words to no profit, but just subverting the hearers. Instead, in verse 15, he goes on with this verse that many of us could say, let's read it together or say it with me if you know it by heart. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. What a tremendous alternative. A workman. What is it? It's a workman. Remember, Paul isn't calling Timothy as he's going to his deathbed. This man that, that, that certainly expounded the grace of God very beautifully. He didn't call Timothy to say, just relax in the grace from here on out, Timothy. Tell everyone it's just fine. Sit down, relax in the grace of God. He said, be strong in the grace of God and then be a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That means taking a look at it carefully, studying. I... I want to encourage, while I warn against striving about words to no profit, I greatly encourage being a student of God's word. If you make this word your delight early, not alone to set someone else straight, but to allow the Lord to speak to you and set you straight, you'll find tremendous blessing. Tremendous blessing in the word of God. Well, study to show yourself approved unto God, rightly dividing, not my opinion, but the word of truth. I just like to encourage. I heard a phrase one time, it stuck with me, dig your own well. 
And I'm thankful that the men of God that were around me as a young man encouraged that. Don't just parrot. And, and in this generation, that wasn't available then, but sometimes I, I perceive that there are people who just kind of parrot some podcast that they've heard, and they just, and I'm not saying we can't be inspired. I certainly am from, from a variety of sources at times, healthy, careful. But I want to urge you to dig your own well in the Word of God. You go to the Word of God for yourself and don't just read what someone else has written and laid out for you. Be students of God's Word yourself. Let God speak to you. And if you're not the kind of person that can digest a large amount of Scripture, sometimes I've had, I've had young ladies or even young men speak to me and say, I, I'm just, it's hard for me to read a lot. I'm not a good reader. I'm not a natural reader. I say, read, take six verses then. And stand up if that's what it takes to keep concentrated. Read them out loud and make and write one or two of them down. I don't care if it takes you a little time. Share it with someone. Tell it to your sister, your mother, or someone else. Do something with God's Word. Maybe you feel like, well, I'm just not the student type. You don't have to be. If, if you love the Lord, you're going to need His Word. Cultivate the Word for yourself. Learn to love it. God bless you. God bless you. He goes on here. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's worth 10 sermons right there and many more. And I'm sure there's been thousands of them down through the years from those verses. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they'll increase unto more ungodliness. Do you see the warning? Paul keeps warning Timothy. Before he dies, he is warning him. Timothy, don't get caught up in profane and vain babblings. They don't end up working out well. They just increase to more ungodliness. And furthermore, their word will eat as death a canker. It's like a cancer. It grows. It just undermines. It corrodes. And keep going back to the word of God and studying to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Don't get caught up in vain and babblings and, and cancerous Ideas don't get caught up in those things. And he mentions a couple of men who did, Hymenaeus and Philetus. He said, they, concerning the truth of Erd, saying the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. Be careful of your teachers. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Did you see those two things? The foundation of God stands sure, having this seal. I have found such freedom, such blessing, such relief in this. First of all, the Lord knows them that are his. I don't always know who all's his. I'm not always sure. But I can rest in the fact that the Lord knows them that are his. You follow me. What shall this man do? The Lord knows them that are his. You follow me. You follow me. You follow what God has given you, the things that have been committed to you, and you commit them to faithful men. The Lord knows them that are his, but that isn't all. And let everyone who nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Make no mistake about it. The Lord knows them that are his. But this is also a general word to everyone who names the name of Jesus Christ. Depart from iniquity. If you're serious about naming the name of Jesus Christ, there's going to be some evidence in departing from iniquity. Let everyone, everyone, everyone who names the name of Christ tonight, 
Every one of you who name the name of Christ, this word is for you. Depart from iniquity. Depart from iniquity. Let's go on this last area. Vessels unto honor. My time is nearly up. I want to hurry and conclude here. Vessels unto honor is this last area tonight. And let's just read it together. Why don't you stand here? Let's, let's just stand and read from verse 20 through 26. I would like you to join me in verse 22 and verse 25 and 26. I'll start at 20. You join in 22 and 25 and 26. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God, <clears throat> to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. You may be seated. Thank you for uh, assisting in the reading of the Word of God tonight. Vessels unto honor. That's the last thing I want to leave you with tonight. As we look at Paul's last words to his spiritual son, Timothy, knowing that he's only months from experiencing Nero's capital punishment as he became increasingly angry at Christians and tried to push off the blame of the Roman fire upon them. And he started using them as examples and he started using them for human torches and, and wrapping them with, with fabric and then putting tar and pitch over them and then throwing a garden party and, and let's get a few Christians around the edge and let's light them up for the lanterns for the night. That's how Nero became. That's how angry he became against Christians. And Paul knew he was headed toward his own execution. But he spoke to Timothy in his last words about being a vessel unto honor. Think about it just a moment before we close. If a man, therefore, they're in a great house, he said, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to honor and some to dishonor. All kinds of vessels. There's a little city. It's a suburb of, of Guadalajara that my wife and I have enjoyed going to a couple of different times. It's called Tonala. And Tonala is known as a place of many vessels. There are all kinds of pottery vessels and plates and platters and bowls and, and glasses. And there's glass works. They blow glass there. They do stuff with pottery. And there's just all kinds of vessels. Some of them are, are large and, and beautiful, and some of them are rough and, and tough. But in a great house, there are vessels, not only of, of, of uh, how does it say it here? Not only of wood and of earth, not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth. And some to honor and some to dishonor. They have all different uses, different vessels. But Paul is telling Timothy, there's garbage vessels or there are vessels that are used for honorable purposes. Timothy, you be a vessel unto honor. A vessel unto honor. A vessel unto honor. Sanctified. If a man therefore purge himself from these, deal, purge the uncleanness of the vessel. Purge the, the ugliness of the vessel. 
You can be, I don't care where you are at, you can become a vessel unto honor. I believe we have here tonight many vessels unto honor that are sanctified and meet. That word meet means suitable, suitable for the master's use and prepared for every good work. It's ready. It's a vessel that's ready. It's ready to use, ready to use for honorable purposes, a vessel unto honor. But he goes on in verse 22, good verses to memorize, young men, flee also youthful lusts. But follow after righteousness, faith, charity, and peace with them that call upon the Lord out of a pure heart. Flee and follow. If all he said here was flee youthful us, I'm here to tell you tonight it would be incomplete. I'm here to tell you tonight that if all you focus on is flee, you're frustrated. In fact, you're probably defeated. But he says, flee also youthful lust. That's a very important part of it. There's a time to flee. We could look at examples. We could look at Joseph in the Bible. We could look at others. And there's a time, a very important time to flee. And sometimes there's an older brother in my life that, that I've appreciated so much. He's commented to me many different times as he's experienced a lot of different things. He said, split second, brother Joe, when you see something that you know could draw your heart. He said, you just told me this a while back because we talk occasionally. We pray together occasionally. He said, I've got to where I just thank the Holy Spirit. I said, wow, Lord, thank you. That was a quick one. You delivered me from that fast. Thank you. I just was so blessed by that thought. Flee. There's a time to flee, and God will help you flee. But don't stop there. Don't stop with fleeing or you'll be a frustrated, fleeing, defeated Christian. Flee also youthful us, but follow, follow, follow. It's a big yes. Follow after righteousness, faith, and charity, and peace with them that call upon the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't do it alone. Find others that have a pure heart. Find others that are following the Lord and seeking to, to live victoriously. And I know it's not easy. I'm a man too, young men. I know it's, it's a struggle. Sometimes to live in purity in the, the day we live in. And it isn't just men. I've lived long enough to know that ladies can struggle sometimes with this area of purity too. And youthful lusts. Lusts are passions that well up within us. And it's Satan trying to exploit what God created and gave you for good. And he's trying to exploit and warp that and leave you frustrated and defeated and discouraged and depressed little blip of carnal excitement, depression, discouragement, defeat. And then another little blip of carnal excitement and then depression and discouragement and defeat. Don't live like that. Flee youthful lust, but follow. Follow righteousness, faith, charity, and peace with them that call upon the Lord out of a pure heart. Out of a pure heart, you know. I'd love to talk more about this, but I've watched it again and again. You let a man get free. You let a woman get free from the weight of shame and guilt and, and then see his power and his productivity and even his countenance begin to glow. His power and productivity begin to rise. I've watched men. I have watched men who were politely silent, good, even cooperative church members outwardly who when they they began to deal with hidden sin and came clean began to glow began to be productive begin to help others it can happen 
And I don't know if there's anyone here that's struggling in that way. But I have, when I was a younger man, and it's possible to live in victory, but you can't just flee. You've also got to follow. Fill that vessel. Jesus warned about the man who, who the, the unclean spirit came out of him, and that unclean spirit walked through dry places seeking rest and finding none. He said, when he found nothing, he said, I'll return to that, that place where I was. And, and when he comes back, he brings seven other spirits uh, that were more unclean than himself. And the last state of that man is worse than the first because the man didn't fill up his house with something better. So we want to flee, but we also want to follow, follow, follow. He goes on, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes and the servant of the Lord must not strive. Do you see Paul coming back and back to this thing about don't get caught up in strife and, and useless contentions. There's a, there's a place to contend for the word of God. I encourage you to be Bible students and, and there are good, healthy questions. I had men who were willing to hear questions and I'm, I don't know where I'd be. I'd say again. If I wouldn't have had older men who were willing and even eager for the questions of young men, Bible questions, things we were wrestling with. So I'm thankful for that. But when it becomes an empty contention, I think our spirit knows it. When all I'm after is, is just to, to, uh, to try and, and strive, I guess I'll put it that way. He says, don't strive. Don't be a, a fighter, but be gentle to all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledgement of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him and his will. Those words chill me sometimes. Do you mean the devil can actually take people captive? They're taken captive in a snare by him and his will? Well, the apostle warns about that, but I think there were some choices that went before that. And so, beloved, tonight I want to encourage you, if there's anyone here that's opposing yourself, he said, help those that oppose themselves. Sometimes when we're young, we oppose ourselves. We put ourselves in situations that we're bound to be defeated. We, we take things into our life that are almost guaranteeing a struggle and a defeat. Don't do that. You're opposing yourself. And in meekness, let's help each other not to oppose ourselves. Because Satan has a lasso. He has a snare out there. And he'd like to take men and women captive at his will. But it's possible, Paul said, that those people can be recovered. Praise God for that. Well, it's time for me to close. I just want to remind you of Hebrews 12, chapter 1, as we think about fleeing, uh, as, as we think about this final area, this final uh, point of being vessels unto honor and fleeing youthful lusts and those things. In the 12th chapter of Hebrews, I believe it starts out something like this. Wherefore... <clears throat> can't think exactly how it goes. Wherefore, seeing we also are, that's what it is. Right after Hebrews 11, that catalog of the heroes of faith, he says, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And we could go on in that scripture, but I want to just highlight this as we conclude and think about being a vessel unto honor. You know, when I was a boy, my father had chickens. I'm going to give you an illustration that's kind of crude, but I remember some chickens that used to get loose from the cage. 
We had caged chickens that were layers. And they would lay eggs in the cages, but now and then some chickens would get loose. And they would run down and they would run through the manure. And what would happen, a very interesting thing would happen. They would begin to build up these great big balls of dried manure on their claws. Because they would walk, it would be wet, and then it would dry, and then they'd walk more, and it would build up, and they literally, I've watched chickens dragging their feet along with these big old weights. Smelly, dirty, filthy weights on their feet. But tonight, in the Apostle's last words, he's inviting us to be vessels unto honor. And Hebrews says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Praise God. Tonight, in the Apostle's last words, son, daughter, be strong. Be strong. Strong in grace. Approved unto God. Vessels unto honor. Vessels unto honor. Let's sing again. Rise up, O men of God. And I'm going to turn it over to the brother. Rise up, O men of God.